Here. If you're worshiping with us online, uh, welcome to you too. And, and if you're wrapped up in a blanket and warm and dry and safe, then uh, we had to brave all that snow to get here, but uh, you're, no, you're still a part of us and we're glad that you're here. I have a couple of announcements to share with you. Um, one is that tomorrow, in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. National Holiday, our church office and our early learning center will be closed. Um, this coming Wednesday, we are doing our adult confirmation class again. I'm excited about that. This is our third one. You can come at 11 o'clock, or you could come in the evening one at 6 o'clock. If you come in the evening one, come at 5.30, because y'all, it's Italian night, and you can eat with us before, before class. And children and youth also do fun things on Wednesday nights, and, and it's going to be great. Next Sunday, Pastor Andy is going to be doing a brand new Sunday school class, a small group, uh, journey group class called um, Dream Big by Bob Goff. It's going to be in the gathering room. It is for anybody who's not already connected to a Sunday school class, or maybe you just haven't been to a Sunday school class in a long time and you kind of want to get your foot back in the water. This is a five-week class, so it's not a lifetime commitment. And... Cinnamon rolls and sarcasm will be provided. According to Pastor Andy, it will be fun. I hope that you'll come and join us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, O Lord, for giving us this day, this time that we set aside, we set it aside for you, to draw close to you, to let you draw close to us, and to worship you with everything we have. I pray your blessings on all those who are worshiping online, as well as those who are in here in person. We lift our needs up to you today and trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.
like to ask you to join me as we stand together and sing our opening hymn, Marching to Zion, number 733. standing please as we affirm our faith together with the Apostles Creed I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ his only Son our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified dead and buried the third day he rose from the dead he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. be seated our our children will be going to children's church now miss Catherine's going to take them and they always have a great time with miss Catherine in children's church we are going to receive our tithes and offerings I want to thank you for uh, supporting your church through uh, 2021 and through these difficult roller coaster times that we've had I want to encourage you to download our church app there's so many things that you can do uh, on there so many so many uh, things that you can see and and read on our church app and view on our church app. So that, or go to our church website and you can give online that way. Let's pray. 
God, every good and perfect thing that we have comes from you. So with grateful and humble hearts, we return these tithes and offerings to you and we give our lives, Lord, to be your hands and feet in ministry and mission to the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. want to hear from you if you have a prayer request you can fill out a card there you'll find them in the back of the pews or are in the front entrance or in the hazel oliver entrance you can email us you can 
write your prayer request in the comment section on your Facebook live stream. However you want to get your prayer request to us. One thing we do know is that every one of us is struggling with something. We all know someone who is uh, dealing with COVID or has someone in their family who is. And uh, in addition to a whole host of other things that we're dealing with constantly. God wants us to pray and God wants us to bring our needs before him and our burdens. And God offers to us himself. Let us pray. God, how much of a privilege it is to be able to bow before you and know that we have an audience with you. You invite us to come before your throne of grace to find grace and help in time of need. And we're so thankful that we can do that. And as we come before you today, we realize that we do so uh, carrying burdens with us, a burden of, of guilt, Lord, over the ways that we have not lived up to the glory and the purpose you have for our lives. We have failed our own set of values and we certainly have not lived up to the values of following Jesus Christ. So we ask for your forgiveness and we ask that you would heal our broken places, Lord, and help us, Lord, to have the strength to get back up, to dust ourselves off and to follow you again. Gracious God, we pray for peace and reconciliation, especially as we consider this eve of the day that we celebrate as a nation, the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We've come a long way, Lord, in terms of reconciliation and equality, but we've got a long way to go, as we all know, if we tell the truth in our hearts. Until that day when we judge a person by the content of his or her character rather than the color of their skin, we've still got a long way to go. And so we pray that you would shed your grace upon this nation and upon us in this community and upon us as individuals and help us to be honest and to go forward from there. God, we pray for our nation. We pray for Christians around the world, some of whom are having to meet in secret today uh, because the laws of their countries forbid them to worship publicly. May your Holy Spirit connect all of us and be with us. Even as you teach us to pray the prayer you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Once again, I'd like to invite you to stand with me as you're able and join in our hymn of preparation, number 170, Oh How I Love Jesus.
You may be wondering why we don't have a choir today, and, and the answer to that is simple. Some, some Sundays we just can't um, have a choir because either of illness or people who have been exposed to illness and are having to, to quarantine themselves. But you know what? This gives us an opportunity to focus on this, this beautiful grand piano uh, that was donated by the Trotter family a couple of years ago, and, and our, our beautiful, unique, pipe organ that we have that you just don't find that many around. And also, um, instruments, as you know, are only as good as the hands that play them. And we are blessed here to have Rhonda Robinson and Benny McNair to, to play these, these beautiful instruments and that make music such a, a wonderful part of our worship service. So thank you. Um, I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them today, to Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. If I'm not mistaken, the words will be up on the screen for you there. If you, if you just want to follow along or if you just want to listen, that's fine too. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. To test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is greatest? He said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was a, a teenager, I realized that I had um, a call on my life. Um, I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. I didn't know if it was going to include um, some kind of pulpit ministry or some other kind of work for God, but I knew God wanted me to do something. I just wasn't sure what God wanted me to do. Uh, so I spent a lot of time asking me, asking God the question, God, what do you want me to do? Just tell me, what do you want me to do? I remember we lived out in the country, so I would go outside in, in the backyard and out in the country, you can look up and you see the stars and everything. I would go out and look up at the stars and I would say, um, God, what do you want me to do? And here's what I would hear. You know, you know what I mean? Um, after a while, I kind of got a little bit put out with God, a little bit angry, and, and I thought, God, you're just not telling me. See, God didn't speak to me in an audible voice, I guess kind of like what I wanted, or write it across the sky. But God spoke to me eventually in my heart, in a quiet whisper in my heart, the way God always speaks to me, and said something like, I've already told you so much. Why don't you just start with what you do know? So, have you ever asked, asked that question yourself? God, just tell me what to do. I wish you'd just tell me what to do. Um, I, I mean, when you have a big decision, sometimes you're, you're at a crossroads and, and, you're, and you're just praying, God, do you want me to take this job or this promotion or change jobs? God, do you want me to marry this person? Or which college should I go to? Or God, I need some guidance. Would you just, would, wouldn't you just, just tell me, all right? If you'll just tell me, what do you want me to do? And all this goes back to the, to the question of who we are. Because here's what I've discovered. If you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. And that's why we're talking each Sunday this month about integrity, about being authentically who we say we are. Each, each Sunday we've been revisiting our mission statement and, and looking at who we say we are. And I want to invite you to do that with me this Sunday too. Uh, on the back of your worship bulletin, if you got one of those, um, right under the cross and flame is our mission statement. And I want you to say it out loud with me. Say it out loud so that you can hear it, so all the folks back home can hear too, okay? And if you're at home and you say this out loud, say it loud enough that the dogs start barking, okay? 
The people of Gadsden First United Methodist Church, changing lives by sharing Christ, making disciples, serving, and giving hope. And the first Sunday of the month we looked at, okay, if we are really doing this with integrity, then we'll authentically be who we say we are. Remember I talked to you about the uh, box of Krispy Kreme donuts that I thought I was giving and I, getting and I opened it up and instead it had carrot sticks and broccoli and that kind of thing under it. So when people open up the box that is us, the people of God, are we being who we say we are? Last week we talked about who we want to become who we, we want to become because vision and mission are aspirational as much as they are factual. We want to become, we're still in the process of becoming. And what we want to become is followers of Jesus. And that's a high calling. But not only followers of Jesus, but followers of Jesus who, who bring along other followers of Jesus, followers who are fishers of people. And this Sunday, we're looking at a very practical question about what God wants us to do. God, what do you want us to do? What do you want this church to do? Now, that could be a loaded question because sometimes when people say, God, what do you want me to do? They get an answer they weren't prepared for. Sometimes uh, the answer seems, I don't know, maybe slightly more complicated than we, we thought. Uh, when Moses went up on the mountain to talk with God and the people were saying, God, what do you want us to do? God, what do you want us to do? God put on tablets of stone, 10 commandments. Uh, the, God said, here, here's what I want you to do. Not 10 suggestions, not 10, okay, choose one, A, B, or C, but 10 commandments. And, and Moses came down the mountain with the, with the tablets. And I just picture in my mind, Charlton Heston coming down. The, if I get to heaven and Moses doesn't look like Charlton Heston, I'm gonna be so disappointed. But Moses coming down with the tablets, the 10 commandments. And in our adult confirmation class, we used our fingers to do the 10 commandments. I want you to do that with me today. You ready? At home, wiggle your fingers. Okay, number one commandment is there's one God. You have no other gods before me. That goes with number two. Don't have any idols before me. Don't bow down to idols, okay? Y'all are not participating. The early church did better. Okay, number three is watch your words. Don't take the Lord's name in vain, okay? Number four, like a family of four going to worship is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Number five is a five finger salute. Honor your father and your mother. Number six, you make a little gun, do not kill, do not commit murder. Number seven is, is do not commit adultery. And I, I say it like this, married people, keep your promises, right? Keep your promises. Number eight, you have your left hand steal three fingers and it reminds you, do not steal, okay? Do not steal. Number nine, you have your thumb wiggling like a wagging tongue. Do not bear false witness, okay? Watch your tongue, do not lie. And then number 10 is gimme, 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 right? Do not covet, do not covet. See, there you know, 10 commandments. And no longer had Moses come down from the mountain till they were already breaking the first two. So that's about how we do with the commandments of God. We want God, tell us what to do. And God said, I already did, I already told you. Um, but you know, being human like we are, we can't leave things simple. We have to make them more complicated. And, and the Jewish uh, experts in the law uh, had what they called the Mishnah, which was the oral explanation of the Jewish law. And they started out with the best of intentions uh, because they wanted to keep God's law. They just felt like some of God's law needed a little more explaining. And so I can picture somebody in the back raising their hand and saying, after someone said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, don't do any work on the Sabbath, someone said, okay, uh, what constitutes work? Okay, fair enough question. What is considered work? Is it just going to my job and, or is it working around the house? And so the experts of the Jewish law, they sliced it and they diced it and they strained it in endless detail. And 
just, just keeping the Sabbath became super complicated. I'll give you some examples, and I'm not making this up. This is real examples. So people could not travel more than 3,000 feet from their homes on Sabbath because any more than that would be considered work. So I just pictured one of those little boundaries or, or, or maybe a line in the sand that was at 3,000 feet in one inch. And you got up to that line and you're just like, oh, well, can't go past that line or I'll be working. And then maybe you did like your brother and your sister did and when you were riding in the back seat on a trip, it's like, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. Now we get up to the line, I'm not working, I'm not working, I'm just at 3,000 feet or 2,999. So carrying a load was considered work. How much of a weight could you carry and it not be work? They determined that you could carry the weight of a dried fig and it not be work. So anything heavier than a dried fig was considered work. And so therefore, false teeth could not be worn on the Sabbath because it exceeded the weight limit. So whatever you ate on the Sabbath, you couldn't cook it and then you had to gum it if you had false teeth. A woman was not allowed to look in the mirror on the Sabbath because she might see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it out. Uh, I'd be in trouble because I'd be doing a lot of work pulling out my gray hair. So, I'm, I, again, I'm not making this stuff up. You can see how things become complicated. Because of the oral explanations of the law, the Mishnah, by the time Jesus came along, the Ten Commandments had turned into 613 commandments. We don't have enough fingers and toes for 613 commandments. How in the world could anybody hope to remember 613 commandments? The Pharisees were obsessed with this though. They talked about it all the time. They would sit around, I guess, a campfire and, and say, hmm, uh, what do you think about number 494? Oh, I don't know. It's not nearly as hard to keep as number 321. I don't know what they talked about, but they discussed it all the time. And they thought they were the only ones that could keep it. And this expert in the law came up to Jesus and he said, tell me, teacher, what is the most important commandment? That's the context that we're coming out of. This discussion of the laws, which went on all the time. Which is the most important? Now, this was a trap. This was a trap. Uh, and Jesus knew it was a trap because the Pharisee assumed that every one of those 613 commandments were equally important. And so if Jesus said, well, this one's the most important, then the Pharisee could say, aha, but what about number 484? Jesus didn't fall into the trap, though. And Jesus didn't hesitate. And Jesus didn't stutter, as we used to say growing up. There is a most important commandment. There is something that's the main thing, the most important thing that God tells us to do, that God has already told us to do. And Jesus started with that. He started with what the, the Jews know as the Shema, S-H-E-M-A, the very first thing that a Jewish child committed to memory when they were just little bitty. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Shema means hear, and it starts out this way. Hear, O Israel. Shema Israel. The Lord, our God, is the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Every person in the sound of Jesus' voice knew that from the time they were little bitty. What does God want me to do? Do that. Do that. And then let's break that down just a little bit. Let's, let's start with what God has told us is more important than anything else and take a closer look at it. Love, the, love God with all your heart. Um, all your interior, the, the heart is the seat of a person's interior life, the, the seat of your affections, my affections. It's where our spiritual life happens when we accept Jesus into our heart. Loving God with our heart starts by receiving that gift of grace that God gives to all of us. 
And when we do that, and when we pass from spiritual death to spiritual life, then God becomes the center of our affections, you see? This coming uh, Valentine's Day, you may have a sweetheart that you will tell or maybe send a card and, it, and write something like this, I love you with all my heart. And you think, oh, that sounds like a Hallmark moment, right? Um, and then if your sweetheart told you that, you might say, that's all I need, honey, is you just love me with all of your heart. But loving God with all of our hearts is just the beginning. God wants us to also love God with all our soul. Our soul. Uh, the soul is the seat of the emotions, the attitudes and the will and the passion. Yes, we love God with our feelings, but we also love with the direction of our will. As you know, loving somebody isn't just about warm, fuzzy feelings. Sometimes it just is the direction of our will. We willfully turn our attitudes God's way. That's loving God with our soul. I'll give you an example, a practical example. Let's say somebody did something to hurt you. Could happen, right? Has happened. But instead of hurting them back like you really want to, with, with a choice of your will, you choose instead to be kind to them and forgive them. You choose, instead of anger and revenge, you choose loving them. That's what it means to love God with your soul, to willfully turn your passions toward what God wants. And as the infomercial says, but wait, there's more. We also love God with all of our mind. The United Negro College Fund used to have a, an advertisement said, a mind is a terrible thing to waste, and that's true. But our mind is also the seat of all of our understanding and our intellect and our intelligence. Here, our mind is where we put things together, right? It's where we figure them out. And loving God with our minds would include addressing our mind's hunger by reading and studying scriptures, by, by reading and studying good books together. This last Sunday night, we, we had a, a leadership meeting. We call it a we call it Pathways 22 for our, our new oncoming board of stewards and, and church ministry leaders. And we tried to do some training and some information. And we're going to read a book together, y'all. Does that sound like homework? It's okay. It's all right. It's good, the good kind of homework. We're reading, uh, we're reading Rich Stern's book called Lead as If It Matters to God. Lead as if it matters to God. So we're reading that together because we want to love God with our minds. We want to love God with our minds. Because it's important, right? Isn't it? What you put up here in your mind. We know that. And then we love God with all of our strength. Luke's gospel and Mark's gospel both include strength to the list of loving God. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. I like having strength in there because I think it fits and it completes the list. As a matter of fact, loving God with our strength kind of ties everything together because loving God with our strength is the outward expression that comes from loving God with our heart and our soul and our mind. We take that love that we have in our heart and our soul and our mind and we put it into action we, we put it into the way we behave, the way we speak. That leads me to the second commandment, which is likened to the first, which is equally as important. It goes along with the first. Can't have one without the other, like peanut butter and jelly. God wants us, secondly, to love our neighbors as ourself. Our neighbors, who is our neighbor? We'll be talking about that this coming week in, in our um, adult confirmation class, our confirmation class for grown-ups, knowing and loving our neighbor. Is our neighbor the person who lives next door to us? Well, could be, yeah. But neighbor is a word that literally is talking about whomever is near to you that needs to be loved. When that came up, the first time uh, Jesus told the parable about the Good Samaritan, right? 
when the expert in the law wanted to kind of define it and said, okay, who is my neighbor? Yes, I know, love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love my neighbor, but who's my neighbor? And Jesus told the Good Samaritan story. The Good Samaritan loved his neighbor. And it wasn't somebody he lived next door to. It wasn't somebody that he, he was the same, even religiously or ethnically, this person was different than him. And this person was in trouble. This person was beat up and left for dead in a ditch. But Jesus said that the Samaritan got down in the ditch, helped the man, poured oil on his wounds, put him on his own donkey, and took him to the inn and paid for his, his stay there. You see, he took the time loving with all of our strength and loving our neighbor as ourself is costly. It costs time and energy and resources to do that. But there's no other way. Because Jesus said, this is the main thing. In other words, if you don't do these two and you did all the other 613, you would still be missing it. You'd just be missing the point. I think we've all had times when we just wish that we had a, just a direct word from God. But you know, we do have a direct word from God. Jesus Christ is the word of God made flesh. He is our word from God. And following him means trying to do what he says do. Making matter to us what mattered most to him and what he said mattered most to God. What if we just started there? What if we just started there and did it? Then maybe all the other things would fall into place as well. Let us pray. Oh Lord, you have, have told us very clearly what is important. And, and that there is a main thing to, to be done. So help us to start with those two things. That the great commandment, to love you with everything we have, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, I think that if we got busy doing that, then maybe we wouldn't have time to mess up in other areas of our life and of our church. Help us, Lord, to be authentically who we have said we are and who we want to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn now is, is number 172, My Jesus, I Love Thee. And I want to invite you as we stand together to sing, uh, to not just sing this song, let it be a, a prayer from your heart to the Lord's heart. And I also want to remind you that, that as we sing our closing hymn, if, if you want to come to the altar to pray, the altar is open for you. Prayer, whatever your needs. If you want to pray by yourself, you can do that. If you want me to pray with you, I can do that um, as well. So let's stand together. Number 172.
Oh, Lord, as we leave this place, help us to remember that we love because you first loved us. And you didn't love us from afar, but you came and gave everything for us. Help us, Lord, to love you that way, to love our neighbor as ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.